Support for Podcast by Night comes from Midnight Syndicate. To find out more about their gothic horror instrumental music, please visit MidnightSyndicate.com. Welcome back. It's time for another installment of Podcast by Night. I am John Long. And I'm Jennifer Wolf. And we're your hosts on this wonderful little exploration of the World of Darkness's Vampire the Masquerade. Today on this episode, we're going to be discussing what, Jen? Vampires. No, you aren't playing Lestat. Wait, what? You aren't. I'm sorry. You're not playing Lestat. I know it's, it's hard because Lestat is really sexy and, you know... We all kind of, we all want to be that hot, sexy, troubled, angsty, you know, I'm a badass vampire, but um, that's not all what this game is all about. That's right. Oh, fine, fine. We'll, we'll explore that a little bit later on. Uh, on our last podcast, we discussed the larger world of darkness at, at large, the, the whole encompassing globe that, you know, that vampire inhabits and how it differs from other games and this time is going to delve into our focus of vampires themselves uh what does it mean to be a vampire in the world of darkness and how are they different from other things from like you said lestat uh dracula la croix la croix uh jeanette uh, <laughs> anyway Jeanette um, was hot i'm not she, gonna deny it oh no not at all not at all that that show really set the bar uh okay so why don't we start off with what's it like to be the vampire well, first of all, just for you, the podcast listener, we're going to be focusing for the at least a little bit foreseeable future on the flagship game of the World of Darkness, which is, of course, Vampire the Masquerade. That is the game that many of you, if you've gotten into the World of Darkness, this is the game you're playing. Uh, so welcome. And of course, for a lot of us, when we picked up this game, we already had our preconceived notions of what vampires were, whether it was, you know, Jeanette and Lacroix or Lestat or, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, whatever the case w was, this is this was our image of what the vampire could be. And then you pick up this book and you realize quite quickly, you have to get all that out of your head. This is not what's going on here. Vampire is a very different game than just I get to be the sexy vampire who sits there and uh, for lack of a better descriptive vamp vamps everywhere this is a game that is has themes of personal struggle both ex externally within the world of darkness but also internally with the self and in this you're playing a monster who is clinging to their humanity you used to be human but now you're something different and you're trying to figure out how that works in this world where you still look human. Heck, you may even still feel human. But you are now a creature who subsists on the blood of human beings for your nightly existence. That's not exactly the most cool, cool humane thing out there. Um, so. Right. No, absolutely. The My... First, I think Dracula, Bram Stoker, was my very first impression of a vampire. 
and and that really kind of set the bar as far as um, what are they with the gothic genre. It was other than Varney the Vampire. It was sort of like the first gentleman vampire, the first sort of because prior to that it was just a undead beast that comes back and drinks your blood. Yeah, it was sort of like a zombie almost, almost but with a with, little hint of it, of it because it always used to prey on their family. Exactly things like that. Um, I will say in that description, not being Lestat, uh, the personal horror aspect, it it just made me think that you know what a little bit. There's a lot of bit of uh, influence with Anne Rice in this, though. Exactly. With, like, Lestat being the humane monster, Louis being the one that's angst and moaning about his lost humanity because he still feels attached to it. Oh, Louis, Louis, why are you whining? Why are you whining? Why are you always <laughs> whining? Uh, but on the other hand, though, like, the mythology is completely different. The uh, Everybody's got those cool abilities. Mm-hmm. There, It is the idea that... Unlike Anne Rice, in this world, it's a lot more dangerous to mm-hmm. be a vampire. Exactly. You may not think so because you're all, ooh, I'm cool, I can, I'm undead, blah. But no, it, it's a, you're going to find out, everybody, that this is a wholly different animal. You don't get to be Lestat where, hey, look, I'm a rock star and thousands of people adore me. Absolutely Because eventually not. someone's going to catch on to that and yep. it's going to be bad news bears for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, so uh, let's see. We got the we talked about the the feeding, the clinging to humanity. Uh, yeah, exactly. Vampires are kind of horrific when you think about it. the the I, The point of the game was to explore those those feelings of monstrosity and humanity that kind of linger in all of us. And really, the ultimate struggle in vampire the masquerade is not so much being a vampire hiding in the shadows from a human world the struggle really is you are an inhuman monster who is masquerading as being human and you have these urges to feed this lust for power um it's like you're living with the ultimate id that's sitting on your shoulder. Let's bring it to a little Freud. Uh, you're, you have the ultimate id that's just there in the back of your brain all the time saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. And you know, sometimes to feed that, it requires you to do these acts that if you were a normal human, you would be horrified by. The fact that I have to, every night, feed off of a human being to just be able to survive. After a while, you're like, yeah, this is kind of... This is really not cool, um, but it's more than that. It's the acts you even have to commit to hide your existence or to live amongst these other inhuman monsters. And consider this too. A vampire isn't a creature who dies naturally. A vampire lives for centuries, even millennia, and you sit there and slowly watch as everything you know and love dies or changes or time passes you by And that tends to wear a person down quite a bit. So everything about this game is you are struggling as someone who has shifted from being human to inhuman. And as time goes by, that shift creates a chasm that gets wider and wider and wider. 
Right. You definitely have to learn to justify some of most of your actions on a daily or rather nightly basis. And and what does that do to you psychologically? Why don't we jump into how they're different physiologically? Physiologically, yes. Vampires, first of all, the first thing you should know about a vampire is that they're not alive, but they're not dead either. They're kind of undead. And what in the world does undead mean? A creature of the night. You're Just in this weird in-between state. It's not quite like a zombie. Zombies we tend to think of as being undead as well. But zombies don't necessarily have a mind of their own. Right. And they're not caught in the perpetual stasis that vampires are. Vampires are creatures that on the outside look as if they're living, breathing creatures till you start looking a little closer and you realize, no, something's a little off here. And you'd never, ever age physically even if you grow older and wiser mentally especially if you've been living over centuries but you never usually physically age as a vampire which after a few decades of living amongst normal humans they're going to start catching on something's up so one of the things about the vampiric existence is that you can't ever be injured really i mean you can be injured but it's never permanent you can't be killed except through a few means vampires can die but it's very hard to kill a vampire. It's very hard to permanently injure a vampire. It's not like I can just go beat your head in with a baseball bat and think you're dead. That won't kill a vampire. Right. Yeah. We've definitely seen this in media. Uh, Blade is a great example. All the, you know, the sword slashes and everything, cut off a hand, it's still not going to hurt you so much as it's going to just kind of maim you until you can heal it or however it is that they would regenerate. Yeah. Vampires They can be injured well enough. Gunshots, like I said, shotguns, explosions. That will slow them down. It'll slow them down. It's not going to really, you know, it could incapacitate them if they take enough damage. I mean, come on, a a shotgun in the mouth is going to ruin your night. Well, it's going to make your night a little cranky, but for a vampire, you're just going to like get over it and move on. And by the end of the night, your face is back. But there are a few ways that vampires can be injured. There are certain things that you can do that will injure them enough that they can just fall into a coma. And those comas are usually known as torpor amongst vampires in Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, So torpor is a state where a vampire just kind of goes into a, a stasis. They look and appear dead to pretty much anyone else, but they're not. They're just in this weird stasis. And this tends to happen if they're old enough that they are like, you know what? It's just a little hard to keep awake these days after the last few millennia, or they've taken enough damage that they really just need to have a little bit of a break, have some me time, you know. No, is that because it's doing, as far as the damage goes, is that just because they've their body's been injured to the point where it sort of has to go into, is it a regenerative sleep? Or is, I mean, what, what is the point of dropping into torpor? Uh, oftentimes, if they do it because they've been injured enough, it's because it's regenerative. They 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 need to take that time to heal up. Sometimes it's it's, it's because they don't necessarily have the the blood capacity to heal themselves. So, or you know, just to function. Right. Well, something like that. That definitely sounds. Like it would make the vampire vulnerable. It definitely makes a vampire vulnerable because remember, a vampire is most effective well when it's awake. If a vampire isn't awake, then that's bad news bears for the the vampire. That's right. Yeah. Even whether they're sleeping during the day or in this torpor state, they are as but a corpse. 
Yes. And they can't do really anything about it. If they're lucky and they're someplace safe, then they'll be fine. But if this happens out in the open, or if this happens at a crime scene and people think, oh, it's a dead body and they take him to the morgue, well, that that could... That could not end well. That could go pretty badly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that whole V incision is not going to help them at all. No. I mean, they'll be fine. They can recover from a V incision. It's just, well, let's just hope there's not sunlight anywhere they're going to be. Right. Well, that brings us to the next point of final death. Yeah, so vampires can die. Vampires can be killed. It just takes a lot. Vampires are pretty tough to kill. And there are only a few things that can absolutely kill them. And some of these are kind of the things you expect as... You know, from legends. The right, like that sunlight. Sunlight will will hurt a vampire. You can't go out in sunlight. Uh, sadly, if you're hoping to get a tan to kind of overcome that very pale parlor of yours, you're not going to be able to do that. Spray so, tan. He, spray tan, maybe. I bet you the, there are a lot of vampires who are going and getting that. Oh, it's a land office tan. business. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, sun sunlight will go, it will hurt a vampire. Fire. Fire is still bad for a vampire. Yeah, I love that. That fire is like the one constant in the supernatural world that everything hates fire. Holy items sometimes can do serious damage, but that is dependent on the holy item and also is dependent on the person who's wielding it. People who have what is called true faith, who are really imbued with faith in the divine that the divine will protect them they can cause some serious damage to a vampire up into and including final death but those are so rare i mean it's very rare because of the nature of the world of darkness the world of darkness itself is sort of a bleak place so human beings who have that kind of faith and belief in the divine are such a rare snowflake that when vampires do run across them it's that's that's usually a time when you just want to run. You don't want to stick around because they have a lot of power on their side. All right. What what about uh, what about the old good old wooden stake? Oh, the stake. Sadly, I hate to tell you this, John. Stakes do not kill vampires. What? No. I've been lied to. No, stakes do not kill vampires. There are a few minor exceptions, but. For the most part, a stake doesn't kill a vampire, but what it does do is it incapacitates them. It paralyzes them. If you stake a vampire through the heart with a wooden object, they it's like taking the batteries out of a toy. They just stop. And it's not that they can't function again. The minute you take that stake out, well, guess what? They're, they are back up and running. Uh, once you put that in the chest, they are, they're stuck. Oh, good to know. So if you want to just incapacitate someone, stakes are a great way to go. Right. For if you're a human out there in the world of darkness hunting those vampires, I hate to tell you this, stake isn't going to kill them. And then what about decapitation? Decapitation does kill a vampire. I mean, decapitation pretty much kills most anything. But, you know, you're removing the head from the body unless... Somehow they've done something kind of weird, hinky to like make sure that their brain doesn't come away with the rest of their body. Then, that, yeah, usually that will kill a, a vampire. I'm sure there are some who have figured out a way around this like little glitch in the system, but no. Uh, for the regular average vampire, you take their head off, they will be killed. All right. Well, good to know. Get your vampire hunter kit here. Yeah. So if you're going to go hunt your vampires, make sure you have your nice blade sword. You can just hack off some heads. But please practice with it or that head might be yours. Yep. What about something called diablerie? 
That's a definite way to injure injure knights. Exactly. So there is this concept amongst vampires in the game called diablerie. What that is, it's a fancy term for when a vampire, who is a blood-sucking monster, by the way, manages to get a hold of another vampire and suck them dry blood. This is called diablerie. And that will kill a vampire if you're able to successfully do it. But that's hard to do it successfully because, frankly, you have to get a hold of them and then you have to grapple them and then you have to successfully get tapped in there. Once you do that, if you manage to completely suck every bit out of them, then you can actually kill them. But here's the tricky thing with Diablery. You can, vampires, and we'll get into this a little bit more in a little bit, but vampires, they really like blood a lot. And once you get lost into this, you know, consuming of the blood of another being, it's very hard sometimes to break that. And a vampire who consumes the blood of another vampire can, in theory, also can suck so much, essentially, that they are consuming their soul. This is a bad thing because now you're taking the soul of another creature who was once living and you're subsuming it into yourself. This can have a lot of consequences. I mean, first and foremost, there are certain groups in vampiric society who really find that abhorrent. It's nigh unto cannibalism for them. So if they they get wind about it, you're ostracized because how could you do that to another vampire? The other side effect is that you now have this Sometimes this person's soul kind of hanging around in your head. It's this whole other personality that is just there. And sometimes if it's powerful enough, it can just take you over. Then you're not you anymore. You're someone else. And that's that's a very frightening possibility. So diablerie is, it's kind of a controversial topic. There are some groups who are like, you know, I'm all for the practice of diablerie down with my enemies. But other groups who are like, oh my God, those bestial cannibals, how could they be doing that horrific stuff? So you kind of have to tread a fine line with this. It's not, I mean, when you think about it, it's a pretty horrific thing that you're doing when you're essentially cannibalizing another vampire. Oh, that's a great way uh, as on the character topic of a player, how to view that. Like, how would you as a player view such a thing? It's it's definitely a good exploration of, of how, to, it's, like you said, it's a dark topic. It's it's kind of taboo in some circles. And as a player, it's you have to explore how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And how does your character feel about that? Exactly. Um, it is a way to kill your enemies. It is a way vampires die, but it's also not a pretty way for vampires to die and uh, has a lot of ramifications that you as a player have right. to Right. Is it worth worth it to you to be done completely with this enemy? But guess what? He could be hanging around in your head and you don't know what that could do to you. Exactly. Cautionary tale, ladies and gentlemen. So as you can tell, vampires are, they are very inhuman. I mean, hard to kill them. Even when they go out in sunlight or fire, they, they can get injured, they can get killed. They're not like normal people. And I emphasize this because one of the aspects of vampires in literature, but also with this game is, well, <laughs> this is thing called human sexuality. Oh boy, here here we go. This is when we talk about the birds and the bees and the vampires and when what when a mommy and daddy love each other very much. Yeah. So yeah, they, they stick the fangs where? No, no, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. No, not no. at all. No, 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 no. Uh, well, maybe in certain porn, but not in this, not this game. So 
First of all, for us as humans, we all know sex is a big deal. It's one of our driving passions. You know, the idea of not just having sexual relations with someone, but procreating and creating the next generation. Vampires... Well, they're not human, and their lusts are different than a normal human. While a human may lust for money or food or sex, vampires really lust for blood. Plain and simple. That's what they want. That's what they like. Nothing more, nothing less. I mean, they may want to have power or wealth or control, but at the end of the day, all those things are really just tools for them to get more blood because that's at the heart of what it means to be a vampire. And sex is just not a driving factor anymore. It's just not. It. You don't even look at other beings as sexual beings anymore. You look at them as, well, vessels for blood. This it removes a major factor of being human away from a vampire. But you said before that sometimes people cling to their humanity. Do you think there could be some lingering feelings on that part? I, I you know, think psychologically? vampires, for the most part, they find sex just not a thing. And they, they just don't, don't have the, the drive for it. It's for all the replaced the by blood. the lust now, for blood. Now, for some need. of the younger vampires, they may be still in those mindsets of, well, sex is a thing. And I, I still have these lingering human feelings of attraction to one person or the other. But at the end of the day, it, it's not fulfilling. So it's more like a tool well, for them. It, can. it becomes a tool. I mean, the first first thing to remember with um, sexuality is that for a vampire, most of those things, physiological aspects that we need for sexual fulfillment and gratification, they don't work for a vampire. Oh, so they Viagra is Viagra not a thing. is not an option. I mean, not going to work. You can manipulate your own body to simulate it, but I mean, not to get too like gross and graphic, but you know, there aren't the proper fluids and the proper consistencies, and those things just don't work. So a vampire is sort of handicapped in that way. And even if they manage to actually physically recreate the deed, um, you're not going to get anything out of it out of it there is no climax there is no orgasm where you get that is from feeding and from feeding off another human so um or another vampire but um sexuality is just not a thing that they are into and that is not to say that sexuality can't be used like you were hinting at sex can be a tool Um, You can use it to control humans. You can use it to uh, manipulate people to create a certain power dynamic. Um, Humans are, well, we're easily led by our sexual urges and vampires know that and they can play with that. Um, But often they're not necessarily the ones doing the deed. Sometimes they'll just have someone else do the deed or they may set up uh, a, a prostitution ring or a or a brothel or a lot of things to kind of help keep humans in check using sex as a tool. But vampires as a whole don't give a really a crap about sex. It's It's just not something that registers for them. And I say that because this is a tension that many have with Vampires. Vampires are inherently sexy creatures. Um, we see Dracula. We see uh, Spike and Buffy. You know, um, these are these are creatures where you're like, or Jeanette. Yeah. You know. 
Right. Yeah, well, okay, guilty. <laughs> um, these are creatures where you're like, mm, hey, you're kind of sexy. And they can use sex. They can use sex to manipulate humans, especially if you want to feed off of that human. But that's not what they're after. Right. Well, that brings up a good point, though. Those specific characters, even Dracula, Spike, Jeanette, that they understand because they were once human, they know what these sexual urges and sexuality in the human society can do. Yes. So they sort of cultivate that image as a way for them to more easily maneuver through that society. They understand the rules and they can manipulate those rules. So they, they cultivate that sense of that air of mystery and, and sensuality to sort of help their night to night life. Exactly. This game isn't about I get to be all sexy and happy vampire sex um no but you're right they they play with vampires can play within the rules you can cultivate an air of sexy mystery to manipulate humans to play within the world that they understand but just remember that this isn't about um recreating your favorite like vampire trashy romance fanfic right sorry everybody that this is not your personal uh, you know kink factory not that i've ever read any of that ever ever not that there's anything wrong with that ever ever it's just something for the player to keep in mind that in the, at the core this is how their society works and this is the the how being a vampire in this world works exactly um so now that we've been talking a little bit about sex and human procreation how do vampires procreate oh here come the birds and bees and fangs story yep. how do we make little vampires yes so um well obviously vampires aren't born they're created Right. It, it goes along with everything that we've probably already seen in, again, in literature and media, that it's, uh, it is another thing that is a constant. Yes. Uh, if you've seen Interview with a Vampire, you have seen how vampires are created in Vampire the Masquerade. It is uh, a process that vampires tend to call the embrace, which I find really sweet and cuddly, or you can find sexy. I don't know. However you want to find it. Um, you do you. But the embrace is essentially just a euphemism for I am turning a human being from being a living, breathing person to an undead monster. Right. And that's done by the whole you take the human, you bite them, you drain them almost to death, and then you give them a bit of your blood. And somehow, magically, who knows? It overtakes them and they become an undead creature. The mystery of unlife. The mystery of unlife. Oh, we're going to start a religion on that. So but basically, that's it. It's sort of no one knows exactly what causes it or why. They just know that that's the process and that's, that's how it works. Yeah. And once they're brought across, for the most part, a new vampire, uh, a baby vampire, a fledgling, which is the term they tend to use. Uh, they now take on the supernatural powers of vampires. And usually you're taking on the powers of the vampire who created you. And there are a few exceptions to this, but for the most part, that's how this works. Your sire, your creator, has particular gifts and skills that they have inherited from their sire and so on and so forth. So you take on those those abilities as well. And you become part of a larger bloodline of vampires. Uh, that in the in Vampire the Masquerade we call a clan. Right. This seems to also stem with, to the idea of lineage, as you said, uh, bloodline belonging to a generation, if you will, of vampires mm -hmm. that have the same blood 
coming down from in time immemorial. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little like, you know, if in your family, if you have, for example, in real life, I'm a redhead. My parents carried that gene from their families and so on and so forth. And should I have children, that gene will get passed on. So it's the same kind of idea with vampire in that you are inheriting the the, the dark gifts that your sire had. They inherited it from their sire. If you make a child, then they're going to inherit those same gifts. So, and this is how we get our different divisions, our different types of vampires in the game. Right. Each clan has different traits, as you said, almost genetic, inherent traits that tend to create stereotypes, as you will learn. But, you know, they're stereotypes for a reason. Speaking of blood, and blood is obviously, as you can tell, even just from the discussion we've had so far, blood is kind of the big deal in this game blood is the driving force it is the factor it is what every vampire needs and wants and craves and why it's because it's what's for dinner that's what you eat blood it's what's for dinner right it's the it's not just what keeps you moving it's also what helps you uh, power certain you can manipulate it as you said before to manifest different abilities that we you know that we see in all the media for vampires they're here they're here too so as a vampire you just what you want all the time is blood uh it can be any creature's blood it can be humans it can be animals honestly the thing is that humans are much more satisfying to a vampire than an animal will be. Um, you can't have and eat an animal, and if you can manage to catch one and there's no humans around and you're desperate, have at that moo cow that's just sit- sitting there in the pasture. But it's not really going to give you all the things that you're going to want the way that good old A-positive will. Right. Now, on to that with the... Um what does the blood do for you? It also, uh, for one thing, it helps wake you up at night. It's the one thing that keeps you moving. Your your heart is no longer beating, so it becomes much more of a mystical and willpower like occurrence to sort of move that blood around in in your body. Uh, to lack, for lack of a better term, you become a blood sponge. Yes. To just sort of contain it. Exactly. Uh, don't think too hard on that. Just keep it in the back of your mind. Yeah. You, you're kind of a blood sponge. Yeah. You don't... The, it's not so much that you have a heart that beats and pumps your blood through your veins and your arteries anymore. Your heart doesn't actually beat anymore. So how in the world does blood get around? Well, yeah, it's kind of gross. But, you know, it, it just kind of moves and shifts through your body. You can force it into different parts. You can use it to heal different parts. Um, In a lot of ways, you're just soaking it in and moving it around however you need. Blood is what wakes you up of an evening. It's, you know, how you wake from your torporous state of a daytime sleep. Right. It's how you heal yourself from injury. Exactly. It's how you power your abilities. Exactly. You can make yourself stronger as a vampire, faster, tougher. It it it, it is not just what you re- need or desire; it's what you require. It is it is the one driving force that helps keep you who you are. Yes, without blood, you risk devolving, as it were. It, you it, it drives you to the point of animalistic lust to be able to keep that blood uh, a constant in your body. 
Now, how do you get that blood? To replenish it, there are several different ways. We've been talking about one specifically, hunting. Hunting. And that's pretty self-explanatory. It's you go and you hunt down a human. And are they in a position that you can nip a few, few sips of blood off of them? The problem with hunting, however is it's a kind of dangerous. Right. You, you could be discovered. If you don't know who it is you're feeding off of, it could be someone of importance. Or someone who could kill you. Or Exactly. You never know. Yeah. So hunting's a bit dangerous. It's But it's a primary way vampires get blood. You know, you can go and hit up a nightclub and feed off of five or six people of an evening and call it a day. It's rare that when per, a person is hunting, a vampire's hunting, that they ever kill anyone outright. They try not to. So often when you're hunting, you're not just feeding off of one person and leaving them comatose in the back of an alley, which you might be doing. But uh, often what is happening is you're taking a little bit of blood off of that person and maybe a little bit of blood off this other person. And often if you do it right, they won't know that you did it. And so that it keeps it secret people aren't aware that you are a vampire who's feeding off human blood but again like we said it's dangerous right and as a player uh, this would be a note to keep in mind that you always remember how much time your character has to uh, devote to feed to hunting if this is their main feeding avenue because like jen said it could be a little here a little there that's going to be time consuming because you have to choose carefully, choose wisely. So just remember the amount of time that you have to devote to hunting as your character influences how you spend your night, how long you devote to it. Exactly. Where you're at. Right, exactly. Where you end up when you might be caught. You could be on the wrong side of town. Exactly. So another way that vampires often are able to provide sustenance for themselves is a concept called herds. And that's pretty much exactly what you would think it is. It is a, a group of humans that you have managed to bring together, that you have some sort of influence and control over, that you feed from on a regular basis. Right. Like Jen said, there are certain clubs devoted to S&M play that also include blood play. This would be a very easy way to cultivate a herd in that avenue. You could also, you know, if you're if you're of that bend, you could start a cult. You could start a cult. You can have individuals who either are aware of you and your existence um, or they could just be completely unaware of you and your existence. And they're just the whole purpose for for them being there in your life is that you feed off of them. Um, And in some ways, this can also uh, include things like blood banks. A vampire can have a blood bank that they use that it's, it's kind of a two way street. You know, they have the blood bank that allows them to have influence say in the medical establishment but you know on the side they're also able to feed themselves so you can have a blood bank you can work at a hospital you can be a doctor or a nurse uh, or some other healthcare professional where you're just around blood enough that you can just sneak a little bit on the side you could um yeah, yeah, if you were a phlebotomist, that'd be a little on the nose. Yeah, just a little on the nose. But it, there are a lot of different ways you can have a herd. You can get blood on the side without it being you hunting from night to night. But those, a lot of those take some time, some cultivation, some think, thinking it through. Um, 
it depends on your character and what their interests are. Do they, are they the type of character who wants to have a dungeon somewhere in South Los Angeles where, you know, part of that is they have blood play or you are a doctor who works at the big, uh, at the big hospital downtown who can get access to all the, uh, all the O negative that they want. Right. You definitely have to, again, as a player, herds are a great way to sort of flesh out a background about, you know, you, you have to come up with an, again, time devoted to cultivating this herd, but it could keep you safer as, as safer than hunting. So how do vampires get that blood? Well, if they're with a human, the easiest way to do it is you got these fangs in your mouth. Yes, you are a predator for a reason. Vampires have fangs. They're retractable for the most part. Some people will find that they don't have retractable fangs or they have blunted fangs. But most vampires have pretty functional fangs that they can use to pierce the skin. If a vampire wants to make it more ritualistic or for some reason is wanting to not use their fangs, you can always use a knife and cut across the skin, get some blood out. You want to be careful because if you don't want to kill the person, you need to do it carefully. And of course, if you just don't give a rat's ass, you can just rip off a limb and, you know, suck off that. But yeah, juice box. Juice box. Yeah. Usually if you do that, that's going to alert somebody that uh, a blood sucking monster is around. Right. Everybody remember mess equals notice. Yes. So you want to be careful when you are feeding. If you just don't care, do whatever you want. But if you want to keep it on the down low, the the much more discreet you are, the less likely you are to be noticed. Right. And so the fangs are the way to go. Exactly. For most vampires, feeding is, there's a an aspect of your vampiric existence that makes feeding really easy for you. And that is called the kiss. The kiss is the one thing I would say that it's kind of the trade-off. It's like the, a vampire gets a little high, gets a little uh, euphoria, almost orgasmic euphoria from feeding, and they're able to pass that on. When someone engages the kiss, they are able to not only feel an orgasmic experience themselves, but their victim feels that same experience. And consequently, the victim usually doesn't really mind so much that they were just sucked off of by a vampire. And a vampire gets what they need, which is blood. Now, almost all vampires can engage the kiss. There are a few notable exceptions. All of Clan Giovanni. For example, none of them can engage the kiss. There are a few others that, you know, for one reason or the other, they just, it, there's something wrong with them that they can't do it. But everyone else who's a vampire, you got it. So. Yeah, for the most part, that's part of somehow whatever created the vampires in the first place made them the perfect predator. So they've got the fangs and they got an ability that allows you to not mind being fed off of. Well, you know. I don't know. If <laughs> Jeanette was like feeding off of you, would you mind? <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, you know, sexy times, they can happen anywhere at any time. Yeah, you know, vampires don't have sexy times. Remember, we established this. Hey, this sounds pretty sexy to me. <laughs> but I digress. So along the short is blood is the most precious commodity amongst vampires. It is what they care about. They will do whatever they need to do to protect their ability to feed. Uh, blood is the one thing that is the common denominator for every vampire, no matter how segregated they are as a society. 
every one of them is going to need it. And every one of them is going to do whatever it takes to ensure that they're able to get it. And for a vampire, you need to have a constant supply of blood. Um, You always have to have it in your system. If you... If you want to be able to do anything, power your powers, wake up of an, of an evening, you're going to need to have it in there. If you don't, then you that means that you are uh, at risk what's called a, a blood frenzy, which means that you're going to do anything and everything and a mad cra- and just a mad craze to get blood in your system right that moment. That means attacking anyone blindly. And that creates quite the problem because then you're not controllable. You can't control yourself. Very few people can control you. And that tends to draw attention to yourself. Right. And also having that supply, like you said, has led to the formation of societies to protect entire cities to keep not only, you know, personal influence and and, and goals in check, but also keep that supply safe. Exactly. Um, one of the key things that I, we mentioned earlier with hunting and feeding is that you have to think a little bit of a vampire and how much blood they need. These are creatures who don't na- naturally produce their own blood. Human, normal human beings, we produce our own blood. Vampires do not. And they need that constant supply. So to get it, they have to feed off of a whole human being or more to get the amount that they need to function. The older you get or the more powerful you are, sometimes you need more than a whole human being. You may need two or three human beings just to, to be able to function. Think about that. I mean, really think about it. Your entire nightly existence is dependent on the murder of two to three human beings every few days to be able to function. Now, most vampires don't just sit and kill one human being in a sitting and call it a day. Uh, they, Like I said, they tend to break it up and they'll feed from a little here and a little there. But really think that through as you're engaging in this game. You're playing a creature who needs to murder to survive. And you're trying to figure out how do I not murder to survive but still survive? You know, that is... At the crux of vampire, that's some real horror here. Absolutely. There, there's a whole different mindset to playing a apex predator to as a player to keep in mind with the idea that, yeah, you feel all big and powerful and I'm strong. I can lift a car and blah, I'm not afraid. But yet you still need the humans to survive. So there's a balance there and you have to really sort of that adds to that horror is the idea that do I just completely go through my entire supply and just annihilate it? Or do I have to cultivate it and keep it safe and definite and just, just because I depend on it? It's, it's, it's a definite shift. It's, you've got the caretaker mindset on one side, you've got a destructive, you know, just take all savage side. And, and, and that's what you have to really think about too, is how are you going to play that? And speaking of that savage side. Speaking of the savage side. The beast. It's what drives you. Yes. It is the, the inner shadow that whispers in your ear. Like Jen said, you're, you're a walking, talking id. This is your shadow. Exactly. The beast is basically all your base nature. It's all your desire to feed 
the hunger that's gnawing at yourself. It is the desire to crush, to destroy, to control, to consume. This is what the beast is all about. And it's something that defines a vampire's existence. It's not as simple as that evil voice on your shoulder that's telling you to do the naughty thing. This is a compelling, overwhelming desire to give in to absolute destruction and chaos. Right. This is one thing that another psychological change that occurs in a vampire when they become, when they're newly embraced, they're a fledgling, and they're just getting to know themselves again, is the idea that as humans, we have, we experience nice emotions like love and compassion and sharing but I like those emotions. Those are good emotions. I think we should all cultivate them more. But as a vampire, the beast warps them. Love becomes lust. Sharing becomes greed. You don't want to just, if I give you something, I better get something in return. Exactly. It just, it, it warps whatever you feel as a human. So also as a player, it's fun and can be kind of scary to explore that mindset. Of how do I turn my emotions on their head into that dark place and still function? The beast is a, it's not really well understood by vampires. They just know it exists. And it's really only satiated by blood. It keeps it, keeps it calm. It keeps it happy. It helps. Again, goes back to the blood and the feeding. You kind of, if you can keep a constant supply, you can keep your mind, your wits about you on a nightly basis. Exactly. You can use sheer willpower to force back the beast, but it's always there just underneath the surface. And it just really needs an excuse to break out. It, and it, it'll look for pretty much any excuse. Oh, yeah, which goes into the idea of, of, of ba- territory, conflict, anything that might set your teeth on edge, this thing's going to push it that next inch over. If there's a line, the beast wants you to cross it. Yeah, it's... It heightens your emotions. Um, Like John said, it's not just about you hating something. You loathe it. You don't just desire something. You lust for it. It just pushes it that extra edge. And your existence is consumed by the effort to try and keep this desire at bay. And usually most vampires do this through a pretty strict set of moral ethics that we'll discuss in future episodes but that's they follow these these uh paths of morality because they're trying desperately to keep that beast in check right another thing to keep in mind as the player is that this struggle this nightly control of your beast it i don't care how lazy you are i don't care how disciplined you are but that discipline it it comes naturally to a vampire because it sets up control of those urges but those urges sometimes can get the better of you that's right what happens when you when you can't control the beast it's called a frenzy dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. this is when a vampire loses their shit right self-control willpower all gone yeah they're they turn into their most animalistic self um and they're going to just lash out until they get whatever it is that they want in that moment it is like your worst two-year-old temper tantrum, except that this is a fully grown human, a former human adult with all these superpowers. So imagine that. Imagine a toddler who is just having a full-on meltdown, except they're a vampire. That's what a frenzy is. They're lashing out. They're, they will attack anything. They will get do whatever it takes 
until they are brought out of that moment of frenzy. There are several ways to do that. One is by simply incapacitating them. You can incapacitate them. You can quell the beast. There are certain abilities that allow other vampires to assist you in, in calming you. Yes. You can just stake them. <laughs> well, like, that's incapacitative at, a, at a, you know, nth degree. Yeah. <laughs> just, just break that table leg off and here we go. There you go. Vampires are always going to be struggling with the beast. Right. And every night tears at that self-control just a little bit more. Uh, vampires really do live in fear of what will happen if that self-control is completely gone forever. When that happens, if a vampire loses complete control of their self uh, and their mind and their willpower, if they give in to the beast, they enter this state, this permanent state of frenzy called with sale. And once you've entered with sale, you're, there's no coming back from that. Right. You lose all sense of, of the human you might have been, the, the under control and cool, calm, collected vampire you were. You essentially become the manifestation of a vampiric beast. You are you are you're nothing more than an animal with these base urges, and you're going to seek them out until you're stopped. Yes. And everything that was human about you is now gone. And most every vampire who enters this pretty sad and horrific state is hunted down and killed. There's only one vampire on record in all of the game that I know of who survived. But um, most everyone else is destroyed. Wow, that's pretty tough. Yeah. So, as we said, the beast is what drives you. It's what it's what makes you want blood. But the blood isn't just for satiating the beast. No, now we get into the fun stuff. Blood also gives you superpowers. Yay, you're a fanged cape man. You are a fanged cape man. It's like being a superhero, only not. What? You mean I got to put my tights away? <sighs> You can wear your tights if you want, John. No, all right. I won't look very good in them, but I'll put them on. Everyone has heard the stories about vampires and that they have certain dark gifts that they can employ, whether they're super fast or they're super strong, or they can look you in the eye and control your your will or your emotions. In Vampire the Masquerade, yes, as a vampire, you do get special superpowers. Right. A lot of these abilities, um, again, lexicon note, they're called disciplines. They are. They go back to what we talked about earlier about the embrace and lineage. Certain groups or clans, as that we've said, will have different combinations of these disciplines, and that is the the core abilities that help you on your night to night existence. Exactly. Uh, over the centuries and through all these many generations, they vampires have developed these special, unique groups of powers that they can access. Uh, and which give them superhuman potential. And like we said, there are clans, and clans tend to manifest about three one, three of these abilities that they themselves are just, it's very easy for them to learn how to do them. And there are, there are it's not that you can't learn other clans' abilities, but you, being a, a particular clan, find these three are the ones that you learn the easiest. And then you can learn from other clans. Right. Uh, the powers, 
as, as we've we've grouped them loosely here uh, in five main categories or ideas, rather. Let's think of them as ideas because yeah. nothing's really set in stone here. Exactly. These are, it's, it's, yeah, like you said, it's very loosely just five kind of ideas of what these powers kind of center on because there's a whole variety of different ones, but there's, there's ones that kind of concentrate on specific aspects of you know, just vampiric existence. The different attributes of, of who you are. So first, there's the physical powers, which is, as Jen said, the strength, the speed, endurance, stamina. These things make you just engines of might. And then you have mental powers that allow you to do things such as imposing your will on another person. You can tap into your extrasensory powers. ESP. ESP. Um, <laughs> or you can literally cloud the minds of men get all shadow on people oh that's my favorite part oh yeah who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men the shadow does and then there's social powers right these powers uh, allow you to manipulate and twist emotions uh they're to varying degrees um and then we have some other unique powers and these powers tend to be very specific to particular groups right these would be what we've termed transformative powers these are powers that allow you to either manipulate your own body or you can manipulate others into different forms. Right. This, com- this comes in with the shape-shifting into a wolf or the, the typical Dracula stuff, wolf, bats, mist. Uh, but there are others that are more twisted than that. Yeah. You can actually like form other people's bodies like their putty. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's just fun. Yeah. Okay. And then you have your mystical powers. These oh, are my second favorite. Yes. These are probably the most rare amongst vampires because only specific clans actually can use mystical powers. These are things that from the outside and even, even in practice are uh, magical in nature. Even though they're still powered, as we said, by your blood, this sort of is where it gets sort of Harry Potterish. It does. And it's either you're either manipulating aspects of your own vampiric blood or you're at manipulating mis- you're using your vampiric blood to help manipulate mystic aspects of the world. So like you said, it does get a little on the Harry Potterish side. Right. Typically a lot of these as I just thought of um, tend to be like either like you said your physical aspects, physical aspects of others or the elements around you. So vampires can have any one of these in combination with another. So you can have a discipline that's a physical discipline, but also have more of a mental-based discipline and a social-based discipline. Or you can have a mental-based discipline and a social-based discipline and a mystic-based discipline. You can have them all in any combination. Some clans have them all physical, and uh, those are the machines we send them to go beat up the things over there. Yeah, it's whatever your particular bloodline has lended itself to, that's the combination you're going to have. Every clan is going to naturally innately have about three of these that they are just really skilled at. And then... You as an individual can maybe go and learn others. But here's the thing. Because of your bloodline, you're innately predisposed to learn the ones that your sire knew and their sire knew and their sire knew. But you need to find someone else to teach you the ones that you don't innately know. And for them to teach you, they actually have to give you blood so you can tap because they've already figured out how to tap into it. If you have some of their blood, you can f- kind of mystically figure out how to tap into that yourself. And 
and that's opening you up to a whole host of other of a whole host of other things but right and also um as we said before about fledgling vampires when you're new to this world these powers can be a little overwhelming you have to it it does take discipline it takes time exactly they're called disciplines for a reason that's right because you took your time you did your homework and now you can turn into a bat congratulations yay yay i took my time and did my work and all they gave me was a stupid piece of paper Oh, what, you mean like that scroll with that mystic writing on it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it'll come in handy later. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Uh, but but to that point, the, the discipline, the time it takes as a player, this goes back to the idea of how do you want to live your life at night? Do you, Are you, with these disciplines in mind, do you want to, are you happy with the ones that your sire gave you? Is there something cool over there? You're like, hey, I want to figure that out. That becomes a whole new personal plot line for you to seek that. And the goal is that other discipline. Exactly. So, there, you know, as we say, this game has layers upon layers. It, it, it is the most amazing, like sandboxy, find your own way kind of game. So this is kind of brings us to the end of this first episode of exploring what it is to be a vampire. Obviously, there's a lot more to it. This is just the first episode. And we just really wanted to cover like you as the individual vampire. What is it that you want to... What is it about you? How are you different from being a human? And it's a very complex society you are now entering there's going to be a lot of new things that's going that are going to be thrown at you but for this episode we want to keep it simple and kind of just introduce you to what a vampire in the world of darkness kind of is and with that we were hitting some some lexicon terms the lexicon of darkness the lexicon of darkness Right. We just want to make sure, like most things, if it has, if a game has its own vocabulary, it helps to know what those words are, what they mean in the game. So one of the first words you'll run across, especially with vampires who are older because they're snooty and they like dead languages, kind of like I do in real life, (laughs) is vitae. And vitae comes from the Latin for blood. Um, This is uh, just, it's because, as I said, vampires are old. They like dead things. If you hear it in game, they just are talking about blood. Yeah, it's just one of those socially acceptable ways to talk about something that most people might, most vampires might consider a crass part of their existence. So they try to flower it up. You know, they can do it in French, but you know. Oh, sangre. Sangre. That sounds so much better. It actually does. It does. It kind of sounds a little bit more sexy than vite. No, not sexy times. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, so vite. (laughs) Okay. Take all the fun out. No, I'm sorry. So a clan, if you hear this word thrown around, that is, well, kind of a large, quote unquote, family of vampires. Right. It is the, the culmination of a, an organized bloodline that you belong to. Uh, typically, they have a singular founder. They might have an ideology attached to it. Um, again, a stereotype that goes along with this clan. Yeah, they all tend to share the same powers, the same strengths, the same weaknesses. That is not to say you cannot be an individual. You know, I am an individual and so am I. That's right. Um, You can have your own personality, but you're also working within the, the, as you said, stereotypes of what is all about this clan. Right. And just because you're embraced one clan doesn't mean that you have to do everything that clan says. You can go make friends for yourself. 
So, depending on the clan... Depending on the clan, you might want to. Exactly. So, Bloodline is just a smaller lineage of vampires who happen to share powers and strengths and weaknesses. Um, And they tend to be a branch off of a main clan. Right. So, no singular founder. It's just sort of grew out of one clan. Um, The Kiss, if you hear about it, that's the euphoria that overcomes you uh, you and a victim when you're feeding off of somebody right and then as we said we talked about the beast the animalistic force that constantly is driving the vampire exactly uh frenzies when you lose control uh the embraces when you uh well turn a human into a vampire Right. Again, with that flowery language, it's kinder, gentler. You're going to hear that a lot. Yeah, you will hear it a lot. And there's these terms that you will hear a whole lot in game, and that is sire and chilled. Or child. Or child. There's an an E there. Yeah. They spell it with an E. I don't know why. Uh, No one's going to sit there and correct your, your pronunciation, really. And if they do, well, walk away. Yeah. Uh, But a sire is a person who makes a vampire, and the child or chilled is the one who just got made right and also all, all of this for future reading now it's time for book corner Yay! the books to read for this is the main book of vampire the masquerade go read it all of this will be in it all of it um it's really useful to read the main book and not just if you are a mechanic twink if you're a mechanic twink it's a great book for you if you just want to know the lore of vampires it's a great book for you if you just want to know how vampires work how do i vampire it's a great book for you go read this book (laughs) it does encompass all of that exactly if you're planning to ever play in the game or pick this up as your new life hobby Really just kind of pick it up, give a glance through it. If you want to like really dig into some specifics, go right ahead. There are several different versions of the main book, Vampire the Masquerade. And I believe we have, well, the last one that came out tabletop was V20. What they call Vampire 20th Anniversary, so V20. If you're doing LARP, which is what we do primarily, By Night Studios came out with Vampire the Masquerade, their LARP edition. That is a book that encompasses everything. So it's a behemoth. You can kill somebody with this book. That's another great resource for you to pick up and flip through and figure out what is this game all about? Absolutely. There's definitely like tons of flavor text. It's fantastic. Highly recommend it. Shout out to the By Night guys. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing back uh, LARP so we can spend our weekends running around pretending like we're vampires. (laughs) And then just laugh about it later. Yes. Okay. Well, that wraps up our How to Be a Vampire in the World of Darkness. Yes, it does. And we hope this podcast kind of helped those of you out there who are kind of new to either vampire or uh, LARPing in the World of Darkness, understanding a little bit more of what just being a vampire in this world was all about. Right. This this one just taps into the idea of the, the physical changes, how they're different. Uh, we are going to do episodes about the night, what we call the nightly grind. We're going to talk about the society of vampires. Yes, you're not all alone in the dark. On my own. Oh, boy. All right. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> and uh, we, we hope you enjoyed this one. And we're going to come back next week with another one. All right. We look forward to seeing you then. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. And if you want to get a hold of us outside of our normal podcast hours, you can find us at Podcast by Night on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter 
at by night podcast, or you can email us with any questions, thoughts, uh, opinions, you know, anything you want to communicate to us, you can do that at podcast by night at gmail.com. <laughs>